Y'all, it's so good to be home. I got to tell you, you know, when you leave from one church and go to another church, you grieve, first of all. You're, you're, you're saying goodbye, you, 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 your heart is torn. When you're a pastor and you love the people and y'all love me back, when you've been in the church five years, you know, when you, more than five years, see, the roots go deeper and deeper. And after five years, those roots hook. I grieved this church for two years because when I became a director of missions, I, um, instead of being in a, a stream that was 100 yards wide and five miles deep, I went to a five-county association that's 150 miles wide, and I was three inches deep. And, uh, but now I've been down this, gosh, 20, almost 23 years. You haven't changed a bit. <laughs> now, Jimmy, on the other hand, we, can, we'll pray, we need to pray for Jimmy. You know, Jimmy, I, he used that line, how are you? Oh, I'm good looking. Don't believe it, just ask me. You're no longer good looking, all right? <laughs> oh. Boy, I get going here now, man, I tell you. Y'all, it is, it is wonderful being here. I still love this church. I do. I still love this church. I still miss you. But you know what? You've changed. See a church. A church. Well, hey, Heather. Good to see you. She used to babysit for us. <laughs> good to, you look good. And I'm good looking. Don't believe me. Just ask me. <laughs> Y'all, a church is like a river. You put your foot in it, pull it out. It flows on. It, you know, I've changed some, I hope. But, you know, I miss Ed Turrentine sitting here where Reed Simmons is sitting right now. I remember he'd put his hand on the pew, stand up to say something sometimes, especially if he loved what the choir would sing. And what you couldn't see is sometimes I'd see um, um, Clara kick him. And he'd, and, and, and he'd knock him out of his frame, and then he wouldn't remember to stand up. Ira Lee Baker, Miss Ira Lee Baker. He had in the, on the back right where Bub's sitting, where Jay and Nancy used to sit. But yet, look, there's a lot of new faces here. I don't know. But you know what? You're going to because we got eternity together. I got 48 churches now. And it's, uh, we're the second largest association in the state. I got five counties. We're the second largest geographic association in the state. I got five counties. And it takes five counties to absorb my energy. <laughs> and... Uh, I, I remember reading, uh, well, I didn't know until I'd been here about three years, Dr. Wicker um, was reading this article in New, New England Journal of Medicine about ADHD. He said, that sounds like David. <laughs> so he gave me this test of 14 questions, that, and uh, if you said yes to seven or more, you probably had it. I said yes to 10 and maybe to one more. And, uh, and then I was, went to a church growth conference, and this, you know, it says after five years, the church starts to take on the pastor's personality. And I laughed. I said, I want to have a church with ADHD. <laughs> when I proposed to my wife, I just said, honey, we might never be rich, but you'll never be bored. <laughs> Y'all, it's good to be home. And when I heard what you're having for lunch, man, I'm proud to be a carnivore, too. <laughs> There's been, there's been a lot of chicken called to the ministry, all right? But, but filet me young, mwah. <laughs> but life moves on, doesn't it? Amen. 
I'm preaching, I'm speaking on the faithfulness of God, but let me tell you about my message today. I'm doing something I have not done since my wife died from cancer three and a half years ago, is I'm going to try to share a limited testimony about the journey and the faithfulness of God. A journey many of you have been on. Many of you have lost loved ones. I was talking to Willa Russell earlier with John. She asked me, does it get better? I said, yeah, it does get better, but you can walk with a limp the rest of your days. So I'm going to be going to Romans chapter 8. But before we do, I want to have a prayer, all right? Father in heaven, hmm, Daddy, Abba, we praise you for your faithfulness. Lord, we are fickle, but you are faithful. We don't deserve your love, yet all we do is respond to you. But Father, thank you that you love us more than you hate our sin. You call us forth, you help us to grow, you help us to change and because of who you are. Help us to learn more of your ways and recognize that you are at work in all things. So Lord, may your word come forth today. May it be about you, not about me. May it not be about any of us, but about you. For you are faithful. You are good even when we don't see it. You're still there. So Lord, we ask your guidance in this hour. Help us to, help us to, to let go of our worries and concerns and just focus on who you are. And hopefully when we walk out these doors, we made a little bit more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. When the doctor walks in, he says, I'm sorry, the test is positive. You have cancer. You go into shock immediately. Cancer, I look forward to the day when we stay, we see the Lord face to face and there's no more sorrow, crying, weeping, or pain. But until the Lord comes again, help us, the Lord, be faithful back to you. You hear that, and you don't remember the next day. Lord, where are you? Lord, Lord, we know this. We know that you know this. We know that you're with us, but Lord, we need some tangible reminders. And every successive doctor's visit, the news gets worse. You have surgery. They don't get it all. You go back for more surgery. They remove bone. They remove muscle tissue. And it goes from being a stage one to being stage four. And you go, Lord, where are you? And it just takes the breath right out of you. He's there. He's there. He is faithful. What do you do when you receive horrible news? Okay, I live on the coast. Somebody has to suffer for the Lord at the beach. Might as well be me. <laughs> What's funny is I went to the beach one time last summer, and I lived six lots from the water, <laughs> and I was wearing my suit. I was early to one of my churches. I have what you call National Geographic experiences. I have 
on the only part of the coast of North Carolina that's not a tourist area, there from Cape Lookout up to Ocracoke. And uh, um, it's these old salts and these old fishermen and their stories. When I was at a homecoming, I spoke at a homecoming in Smyrna Baptist Church. The church is about 220 years old. And uh, one of the old salts has come in with a platter of flounder. And he, uh, he said, one of his old guys said, uh, is that flounder fresh? He said, it slept in its own water last night. <laughs> this area, which has not ever been flooded from a hurricane, has been flooded twice in the last several years. Who gets through it? The Christian and the non-Christian have the tragedy. Who gets, it through, it? Who gets through it better? It's the Christians. Because one, they have a purpose for living. It's not just about me. There's a reason to get out of bed. Christianity works this side of eternity. It's not just going pie to the sky heaven. Christianity works now. And when you see the people... Christian and unchristian piling all the family heirlooms, all their furniture, everything out on the road for the garbage to pick, men to pick up. It breaks your heart. But who gets through it? It's the believers. It's the body of Christ. We work and care with each other in ways we're not even conscious of, y'all. So you get this diagnosis. And the doctor comes in and, and it just, you, you feel like your voice cries out in the desert and nobody hears it. But who hears it? It's the people of God. We are family, and we're an imperfect family. I, was, I remember preaching one time about marriage. I said, you know, Lou and I don't have a perfect marriage. Lou isn't perfect. Um, that was a joke, okay? Um, <laughs> I remember Reed came out there and said, you need some place to sleep tonight? <laughs> no, my wife was a fighter for 11 and a half years. She fought. I knew on our honeymoon she was a fighter. I had her down on her hands and knees. And you know what she said? David Phelps, come out from under that bed and fight like a man. <laughs> no, she never complained. If I had cancer, I'd be a tyrant. She never complained. She's amazing. But you know what? Suffering is something that none of us are exempt from. So let me pick up here in Romans chapter 8. I noticed you took the clock down that used to be back there. That's nice. <laughs> Does that mean I have more time? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, what they say, stand up to be seen, speak up to be heard, and sit down to be appreciated. Um, Romans 8, verse 18, let me pick up. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits an eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The creation waits and yearns. I don't know about you, but the closer I get to heaven, the more people I know who are there and the more dear it looks to me. Hear me, I am, I've just recently, well, I'm, this summer I celebrated the 20th anniversary of my 44th birthday. <laughs> I don't remember growing old. But you see this glove on my hand, this compression glove? I was playing beach volleyball and, uh, with my Vietnamese church planners, and they're good at volleyball, and I'm not. But I, they did a spectacular spike, and I returned it, and I got the point. And I went, oh, I'm no longer 20 years old. I've got a scar right here. It wasn't exactly how I proclaimed that, by the way. I just, 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 it's like, oh, man. And they thought I was cutting up and playing. I don't know why they think that. But... Um, 
Within about 10 days, I had surgery. But my hand still swells. It hurts. And my orthopedic surgeon said, uh, Mr. Phelps, were you, you were playing volleyball, weren't you? I said, yeah. I said, man, your age shouldn't be playing volleyball. <laughs> Tell me about it. So I am, I, in, here, in here, I'm still 25 years old. But our bodies waste away. Growing old's not for sissies. We are going to suffer on this side of eternity, y'all. Because this world is not the way God intended it to be. But in the Garden of Eden and the damage it did, we do waste away. There was this poem about not growing old. It's, 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 it's one of the phrases is, This frail old shell in which I dwell is growing old. I know full well, but I am not the shell. So... Thank you. We are, does that timeless part of you, that sparkle in your eye, your spouse sees it, your friends see it, you see it, but people meet your appearance before they meet you. We're going to suffer sometimes from the frailty of life itself. There are some people who will suffer for their faith. You realize that I cannot, because we're live, I cannot mention a certain country. I've been going back and forth to Armenia since 2004. We've been building churches, doing Bible schools. I teach in the seminary there. I lead a pastor's conference for a neighboring Islamic country. I got back three weeks ago, and they're from a neighboring, I had 18 pastors who risked their lives to come to this minister's conference. And then we baptize them in this river coming off of Mount Ararat. One of them has a scar. He's 23 years old, young pastor. He's got a scar down his arm here where he's been slashed in his country he's from for being a Christian. He's got a bullet hole here where he's been shot because he's a Christian. He watched his parents being murdered while he was a preschooler because they would not renounce their faith. And here in America, we have people who don't want to get baptized because they don't want to get in front of people. The people from this country, this Islamic country, the line of demarcation where you get oppressed or attacked or not as being baptized. And all 18 of these guys got baptized so they can go back into their country and they can lead as they're learning to be pastors. Knowing that because they've been baptized, if it's found out, they will be killed. So we suffer for our faith. Do you realize, I'm mean, Ed, Ed Turntine, you know, he, he, Ed came up one Sunday, he said, Brother Preacher. Whenever Ed said, Brother Preacher, you know you might as well sit down, he's got something he's going to talk about. <laughs> Brother Preacher, I've been thinking. America is not suffering for persecution, it's suffering for the lack of it. Our goal, by the way, is not to suffer for our faith. Our goal is simply Obedience. Our goal is obedience. I think the Lord is using, has, is using COVID to purify his church. The Lord is filtering out those who are fans of Jesus versus those who are disciples of Jesus. Lord, I hope I'll be weighed in the balance and found worthy of your grace. We're not. We don't, we're not worthy of his grace. He gives it to us. But Lord right now is moving us in a very painful time from churchianity back to Christianity.
There's a, you see, there's a lot of believers, even the devil believes in God, but are you a disciple? Oh, I think about that hymn, Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there's a, there is room in my heart for thee. Because my sins are many, but I'm working on it. So there are people who suffer for their faith all over the world. Christianity is growing on every continent except North America. But the Lord right now is purifying his church. And it is a painful time to be a pastor in this country. I think discouragement is Satan's number one weapon against the church and against ministers. I've been gone here 23 years, almost. I hope I get to come back in 23 more years. And I hope I still have my mind. Yesterday I was at the funeral for Aaron Long. Youth, we used to sit up here on the front three or four rows. We'd had, you know, with youth, and we were singing Victory in Jesus, and I caught Aaron's eye. We were singing, That saved a wretch like me. You know, he was a, They saved a wretch like you. <laughs> and he lost it. He, he, he got laughing. Y'all, the Lord is still saving me from me, He's saving you from you. But hopefully the person we're going to be 10 years from now, as we guys we're now becoming, is no small measure based upon what you choose to do now. You're going to suffer on this side of eternity. But here it says in verse 19, let me read this again. For the creation was subjected to frustrate. Oops, let me back up. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Christians are already sons of God, daughters of God, but the complete understanding of who we are in him will be really revealed before him when we stand before him and the dross is burned away and the gold is purified within us. I look forward to that day when those things that want to distract me and pull me from the Lord, when there's pain and suffering, I look forward to the day when I will stand before him and be made complete. But my prayer, my hope for you and for me is that we will be faithful because he is faithful. Verse 20, 21, let me read to you. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We are made to be free. You're not bound by your family of origin issues, by any abuse you experienced as a child. You are free from your past and the sins. Do not forget that Jesus calls you to a hope in the future and that you're not bound by the pains, by the sins that have happened in your life. One of my favorite Bible verses is Philippians 1.6. I better read it because I might misquote it. Even though I quote this all the time, but Philippians 1.6 is, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you get frustrated with yourself and your Christian walk? Boy, I do. But it encourages me that my spirituality and spiritual growth doesn't just depend on God. It depends 
No, it just, excuse me, let me start over. It doesn't just depend on me, God's in partnership with me. He does things with me. He does it with you in partnership. The man I'm going to be if the Lord tarries, and hopefully I'll be here 20 years from now, is still in this process of becoming. And the things that tripped me up 20 years ago don't trip me up now, but there's things that still trip me up. But this is a journey that we're all on together. Until we stand before him face to face, the impurities, the imperfections are burned off. We know that the whole creation, verse 22, has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Eden's damage is going to be undone. The fallen Eden. We'll have a new body. Boy, I know I need one. A new mind that's not encumbered. A new existence. Because Jesus, he's not coming to destroy creation. He's coming to renew it, to restore it. A new heaven, a new earth. He will restore creation. No more disease or struggle to pull us from God or from each other. The pain of childbirth, I didn't know what a jock my wife was until I was with her in 22 hours of hard labor. I was saying, thank you, Lord, I'm born male, and I was astounded by her. <laughs> and ladies, you say, you don't know the half of it. I asked my wife after Sarah Beth was born, I said, well, what was childlike birth like? She just take, she'd take your upper lip and pull it off about, about a foot from your face. And then pull it over your head and halfway down your back. I went, okay, never mind. But when they placed that baby in her arms, it was worth it. Y'all, we don't understand the side of eternity, all that happens to us. We don't understand why. But you can trust him. You can trust him. He is good. You say, okay, say you win the North Carolina lottery. Pray, I went God good. I'm scared to buy a ticket. I'm scared to see the headline. Baptist minister wins gambling. I don't want to, you know. <laughs> So I'm scared to buy a ticket. I'm scared I'll win it. <laughs> but seriously, you know, something good happens. Some, you, you win a new car or something. You go, my God, is good. Well, you know what? When the doctor comes in and he says bad news, it's cancer, and he's talking chemotherapy, radiation, God is still good. He is still good. Part of our story, she suffered 11 and a half years with pain that no one should have in three lifetimes. Only 23% of the people with her form of cancer make it past three years. It was about three years into this journey. I have a neighborhood pier there on Bogue Sound. I can't afford a place on the water, but I have a neighborhood that has a pier on the water. That's nice. Looking right across to Atlantic Beach. and um, The coast is east-west where I'm at because of the Cape Lookout and the arcs over down towards Cape Fear. And the Lord and I have a lot of conversations out on the pier. I can watch the sun rise and the sun set over the water. I didn't know at this point if my wife would live another two weeks or not. There comes a point sometimes you don't even know how to pray. And what you do pray, you, you can't pray with words. But I know that God is involved. God has a hands-off policy until we pray. Because, see, God is love. He's not going to violate you. 
He's not going to force himself on you. So when you pray, you enable his hands to be involved in your life. Prayer changes you, but it also enables God to act in your life when you invite him in. I'm on the pier. It's sunset. I'm watching the sunset. And um, I'm very specific. Lord, I'm asking for a restoration of her health, restoration of her strength, eradication of every cancer cell in the body, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm standing there. And now, now God doesn't talk to me audibly. You tell your God stories, people think you're kind of crazy. They know I am anyway. But, um, but I'm praying. And the Lord clearly said to me, he said, David, everybody I healed still died. This world is not your home. Mm. Everyone I healed still died. This world is not your home. I just let that soak in for about five minutes. And I was able to say to him from the death of my being, then Lord, whether she lives or dies, I will still praise your name. That's what you call a Gethsemane prayer. Not my will, but thine be done. When you really can truly say, Lord, I will still praise your name no matter what. And from that day forward, the Lord extended her days for eight and, eight and a half more years. But from that day forward, nothing can touch me. You either trust God or you don't. When you're able to trust in the goodness of God and not doubt his goodness, his faithfulness, you've won. Well, you see, brothers and sisters, if it is not with faith comes a victory, faith is the victory. Amen. And he is faithful. And you, I walked up that pier, and I could feel the prayers of people. Just like the people going through the hurricanes, and they've thrown all their belongings out at the road. But it's the people of God who got through the disaster better because we have each other to lean on. We are a family. We're a bit of a dysfunctional family because we're made of human beings who have faults, who are in the process of becoming, but we're doing, the, doing this journey together. God is faithful, and God is good. I remember as a child doing the blessing at the meal. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. The Lord is going to come again. He will restore creation. He will restore us. But we're saved by faith. Let me read on here. Not only so, verse 23, but, but we ourselves who have, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation comes and lives inside of you. Show me a Christian who has sin in their life and I'll show a Christian with depression because the Holy Spirit's convicted them. Okay, you're a Christian, you have a friend who's not a Christian, and you go out and you do something that's wrong, who's going to feel bad about it? You will, because the Holy Spirit's going to be all over you, making you so miserable that you want to come home and repent. When I have something between me and the Lord, I can't stand it, and I want to come home and repent. If you keep a short list of sins to confess, it'll keep you out of a heap of trouble. Because the Lord is instilling into your character who he is and he's not going to let me or you get away with it because he loves us too much to let us continue on in our sin. He will convict and make us want to come home. 
So if you're feeling guilty about something, praise God, that means you're his child and he ain't let go of you. Don't wrestle with God. He never gets tired. Go ahead and repent. He loves you, you know. He knew what you were doing before you did it. If you need to repent, don't wait. He wants to touch you in those places of woundedness. I volunteered the last several years with a drug rehab center, helping guys, a Christian-based rehab center. And I said, I don't care about your drugs. All I care about is what you're trying to anesthetize inside of you because that's why you're taking the drugs. It's what's behind it. They said, the Lord makes all things new, including you and me. So, verse 24, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not, do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I think about these people from the country south of Armenia that risk death because they got baptized, and they're looking at, the, they're looking at their eternal calling. They're looking at this life has meaning, and when I stand before the Lord face to face, I have, that's, I run for the finish line. As Paul says, you run for the prize. Run in order to win. Verse 26 to, the, to 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, when your wife is struggling and dying and you don't know what to do, and may have you been there with your spouses, all you can do is groan in the Spirit of God. He's there with you and you feel it. He's there. When you have a child who is not adulting very well and you're praying over that child and nothing hurts. You know what? That'll take 10 minutes. I won't go into that story. But I'll just tell you this. The father heart of God hurts because he loves. And when we sin, it hurts him. But what hurts him more is when we turn our back on him and say, I want my way. And God, it breaks his heart. It's a sad day for me or you and anyone where the Lord says, okay, David, your will be done. Ooh. Nothing puts you to your knees when you're like being a parent. Because you un and the thing is, as a parent, you understand the Father heart of God even more, how it hurts sometimes. But he groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The Lord hears and he does respond. Verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The Lord, all things don't work for the good for everybody. It works good for those who believe. My wife suffered terribly. Started out at mesostatic breast cancer, went to bone cancer. Her, it metastasized to her colon. She couldn't process solid food. Her last four and a half years, she was an invalid. And I, and I took good care of her. I bathed her, I shaved her legs, I fed her. Man, have you done the same thing for your loved ones, your parents, what have you? And I have no regrets because I was faithful. 
and God enabled me to be faithful. So let me tell you a few things briefly. Let's see what time is it. And see, we start at 10 so we get out at noon, right? Oh, no, always getting old. I know how to make a short story long. Here's what I've learned for 11 and a half years, and I'll try to be brief. Nothing matters but God and family. Everything else is stuff. Nothing matters but God and family. Bank on it. I don't sweat the small stuff like I used to. Number two, you learn how good the people of God can be. Let me tell you, okay, anytime you get four battles together, you get five opinions. All right, I'm a conflict resolution, I'm a church conflict resolution specialist for the state convention, and um, and if there's not a conflict, I know how to start one. But, um, I mean, last week I went to go see a fight and a business meeting broke out. Uh, But, um, (laughs) but at the most intense, difficult time, our Sunday school class, we're members at First Baptist Moorhead City which I'm only there like two or three times a year because I'm 48 churches. But that class organized, and for about four months, I did not have to fix a meal. They brought casseroles, and I mean, that would feed us for four or five days, and, you know, and uh, casseroles and, and cakes. But, um, and um, they, the men just showed up and just mow my grass, wouldn't even knock on the door, just got mow my grass, because I was so intensely involved with just trying to keep my wife and me taken care of. And the church is so beautiful when she stands up. If you see someone come to the door and say, well, somebody needs to speak to them. That's a new person here. Well, you're somebody. <laughs> Stand up. Be organized. That's probably what the pastor is supposed to do is help organize the church that ministry gets, that your ministry. See, you're called into ministry. Trent and I, we're specialists. We don't have a higher calling. It's a specific calling to be equippers and organizers to help you flesh out your ministry. Because you have the Spirit of God in you. God is, I learned when I was knee high to a grasshopper, God is hmm? good. That's Yes, God is love. But love is an action verb, and it's hard work. The church is so beautiful when she is organized and functioning as a family. I've learned how good the people of God can be. We had, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to work until the morning of my funeral because we had no savings. Everything, with, I've, I spent between $800 and $1,000 a month in medical bills for 11 and a half years. I have nothing. That's why I say I had to work until the morning of my funeral. But I, we, ministers, have to, um, ministers have to send in every three months their self-employment stuff. So every paycheck I have, every month I had to set aside about $1,000 for self-employment taxes. But because of going back and forth to Chapel Hill and all the medical stuff going on and the secondary medical stuff that's not paid by insurance, we had nothing. And I had to come up with about $4,000 for September 15th payment in taxes. And Lou and I were praying, Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I walked into my office on September 14th and someone had come in from one of my churches and he'd been, he and his wife had been praying and felt convicted and there's a check for $5,000 in my chair. Man. You hear about these things happening to other people. But the Lord is seldom early but never late. So that paid that month's round of medical bills and my self-employment taxes. And I can tell you time and time and time again how God keeps showing up. He is faithful. 
He will not let his children beg bread. So I've learned that values, that nothing matters but God and family, that no matter what, God is good. Whether the situation is negative or positive, it is good. The people of God can be so beautiful. And I've also learned that I am not God. That sounds weird, but hear me. We, especially when you're younger in ministry, you think you have infinite time, infinite energy, infinite wisdom, and you find out you don't have it. Only God has infinite time, infinite energy, and infinite wisdom. To quote the Aristotelian philosopher and theologian Clint Eastward, he says, a man has to know his limitations. <laughs> I have learned to realize that I and we are helpless. And sometimes the best prayer you can pray is, God help! And he hears that. God is faithful in all things. We are unfaithful, but he will, deny, he will not deny us. For he will be denying himself for he lives in us. Don't forget that. That's from 2 Timothy, by the way. I want to read, close this out. Dangerous thing to say because I might go 10 more minutes. <laughs> I won't. Jude, verse 24. This is a favorite of mine. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Mm. He's able to keep you from falling. This is not only about being in times of testing as a Christian. Will you stay faithful? Will you deny him or will you proclaim that I am a follower of Jesus? Will you keep you from falling into sin? I'm a public figure across five counties now. I fear that I could... I could fall and I could hurt the association that could hurt my churches. Lord, help me not play games with myself and my temptations. The Lord, if you stay close to him, keep a short list of sins to confess, he will keep you from falling if you just stay under his wing. God is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. When you doubt God, God, why did you take my loved one? He should have lived so many more years or she have. Y'all, this world is broken. Everybody Jesus healed still died including me and you, we'll stand before him one day. We're going to die too. I just did three funerals for three men, all who were in their mid-50s. I'm in my mid-60s. That really hits home, y'all. God is faithful. Your life matters. Your life. See, if you're not a Christian, you just bump along going for all the gusto you can, all the fun, but life has no meaning or purpose. But when you're a Christian, God is in you and working within your life for his eternal purposes and gives meaning to this existence. And you know that your life does matter. And he will flow through you and in you and make a difference through you to others and within you as well if you just seek to be obedient. He is faithful. And when you mess up and you fall down with your face in the mud, the Lord helps me up and you up. And he says, okay, David, you learn anything? Let's try again. That's who he is. He ain't going to say, I told you so. He says, let me make of you a new creation. He makes all things new. I want to walk with a limp the rest of my life. I'm still wearing this wedding ring, but I'll do that the Lord, I, I'm, I'm not on the market yet. I don't want to mess with a lady's heart, but I know I ain't ready. But the Lord is faithful. Will I get married again? I don't know. I'm not planning on it, to tell you the truth, not after her. But God is faithful. And I'm still trying until I stay, stay, see the Lord face to face, trying to be faithful. May you realize he's calling you to serve him as you go. 
two weeks before she died, Lou said, I praise God for this cancer, for what he's done inside of me because of it. That's the victory. And this is my happy place. We were talking about our life journey. I'd read the Bible out loud to her at night, and um, we were talking theology, and she, she said, I have loved being married to you, and that's my happy place. God is faithful. Even in difficulty, he is faithful. You don't understand everything this side of eternity. I've quit trying to figure God out. You know what? That takes a lot of pressure off, y'all. You, know, you can't figure God out, but you either trust him or you don't. The degree to which you are willing to trust God is the degree to how mature you can be as a Christian. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for calling out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you that you make all things new, including us. Lord, give us courage to do that which you're calling us to do and to be. For, Lord, within that we find our meaning and purpose in this life. So, Lord, help us to seek obedience and bear fruit, showing ourselves to be your disciples. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.